Welcome to the Local Waste Music Podcast, where we capture the sights, sounds, and smells of the Columbus, Ohio music scene. Now, here's your hosts, Pat and Linda. Welcome to Local Waste Music Podcast. I'm your host, Linda. And I'm your host, Pat. How you been this week, Linda? Uh, well, Pat, I've been pretty, pretty damn good. What have you been up to? <laughs> well, let me tell you. Um, to prepare for today's episode, I watched a documentary called White Riot. Ooh. And this was made in 2019, but it's a documentary, and they pull footage and interviews from uh, 1976-ish. Um, it's about a group of people who formed Rock Against Racism. And it was prompted really by some racist comments from Eric Clapton, but also during the time, and this was taking place in England, where the National Front, which I kind of got the idea that it's kind of like a Ku Klux Klan of, of, of England where they're extremely racist uh, against, you know. Immigrants and all Im- sorts of people. Exactly, that, that, right. This group formed a um, fanzine uh-huh. uh, kind of thing. They had like a newsletter and then they also put together some concerts and they tried to infiltrate different areas where they saw that the National Front was strong and they tried to go in there and try to convert people um, into different thinking, different ways to think that isn't so racist by having uh, groups play. So I thought it was very interesting. Yeah, it was, I, I watched it with you. It had, they had Steel Pulse, and they had The Clash, and X-Ray Specs. Yeah, Sham 69. Um, um, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a pretty interesting documentary about uh, something that a lot of Americans don't know about because right. this really happened in England uh, in the late late 70s. Um and uh, yeah, so it was really good. Not not a whole lot of music, although I think the live footage of the Clash was also in their movie called Rude Boy. At mm. least, at least some of it. So, um, if you're familiar with that film, you'll have seen some of the Clash footage that's in this documentary as well. It's about that same time frame. Yeah, awesome. So, uh, I see you got a book in front of you. What have you been reading, Pat? Yeah, I've been reading a lot of different books, and I'm not gonna bore everybody with my all my. <laughs> my, my little passions, but uh, I did get this really interesting book from uh, Amazon, and it's called Men's Adventure Quarterly. And what this is is it's a sort of a uh, a book uh, that compiles old 1950s, 1960s, 1970s stories and artwork from old adventure magazines hmm. from that time frame, the 60s and 70s mainly. Uh, and this issue is the latest one. It's called The Heist issue oh. and it's about people breaking into banks yeah. and uh, that kind of thing and, and stealing so um, yeah. it seems pretty fun and interesting and it's uh, mindless mindless entertainment yeah cool yeah but uh, hey linda i was wondering if you wouldn't mind yeah if i could tell our listeners today <laughs> about our show a little bit no i don't want you to do that let me do it um we have three guests that i'm super excited about happy chichester uh, um, Car- Carlton Smith and Monty Temple, and that if you know those names, you know that they're in the RC Mob, mm. uh, and Monty was their sound engineer. And um, I'm very excited to. Uh, I'm not, I don't think I'm the first one to announce it now, but <laughs> uh, but that the RC Mob is reforming, and they're going to be playing two shows. Yeah, one Friday, December 16th in Columbus at the Athenium, and then another the next night, Saturday, December 17th. Uh, in Covington, Kentucky. And this is a benefit for the American Cancer Society. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be super amazingly great. Uh, <laughs> I'm so excited to see this show. 
Um, and uh, that reminds me about our mystery word. Mystery. Yes. Um, as listeners know about the mystery word, we have a mystery word that we drop somewhere in the podcast hmm. that if you listen carefully and if you're the first person to take that mystery word to our sponsor, yeah. which is Use Kids Wec- Records this week, uh, you'll win a prize. And the prize this week is amazing. Uh, I managed, Linda, to track down two sealed vinyl copies, one of Omerta oh. and one of Spin the World. Nice. These are two RC Mob records. And so the winner of the uh, Mystery Word Prize will get that stuff and lots of other stuff too, which we always have an issue of copy of Moo Magazine and lots of other things. All right. Uh, and we're going to have a C- some CDs from Happy to Chester and other things like that. So it'll be cool. super exciting. Hey, Linda, can you tell our guests how they can see the visual component of this podcast? Yeah, we're on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, putting a hold on my Twitter update. I'm not sure what's going on with that company. So uh, we, can, <laughs> we can be found on um, both at uh, Local Waste Music. Yeah, and we're going to put up a bunch of flyers and pictures and albums yeah. and stuff like that. And we'll, we're going to uh, announce upcoming guests as well. Um, we, I, I, I kind of want to just let the listeners know here, if you haven't skipped ahead, uh, this is a two-parter um, because they had this, such fascinating information and, and fun, and uh, it, we are going to split this up in two. So the next episode is going to be next week instead of in two weeks. It's going to be next week. Yeah. So what is that? Probably... December 8th, something like that. Uh, And then uh, we will have the regular scheduled show after that on the 15th. That is correct. So, yes, let's get right to the podcast in our interview. But before we do, let's hear a word from our sponsor, huh? Hey there, Robot Linda. I'm looking for a place to buy some used vinyl records. Got any suggestions? Used kids records. Do you know where I can get some cheap used CDs? Used Kids Records. How about new CDs and vinyl records? Used Kids Records. 7-inch singles? Used Kids Records. How about metal, jazz, hip-hop, punk, soul, soundtracks, or music by local bands? Used Kids Records. Cassettes? Used Kids Records. 8-tracks? Used Kids Records. 10-inch shellac 78s? Used Kids Records. Do you say anything other than Used Kids Records? Must destroy Earth. This week... Guests of Local Waste Music Podcast stay at beautiful Used Kids Records, located at scenic 2500 Summit Street in Columbus, Ohio. Get there before Robot Linda destroys the earth. And we're back. Linda. Yes. Today we have we are doing something we've never done before in the history of Local Waste Music Podcast. We have not one, not two, but three guests on the show. Today we have Carlton Smith. Happy Chichester and Monty Temple. So glad you're here, Carlton. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for even considering asking. <laughs> we are honored to have you here, Monty. Thank you. And we are super excited to talk with you, Happy. Oh, he gets excited to be here. Thank you, Pat. Thank you, Linda. <laughs> <laughs> and we are sitting in the room with Monty Temple and Carlton Smith and his lovely wife, wife Wendy. Um, and she, and Happy is in his home, uh, going traveling over the internet through the Zoom <laughs> files uh, to get here. And we're super excited that he was able to, to make it here. Um, now, I want to start off by talking about something, Linda. As you know, when we first planned this podcast, we wanted it to be about our guests and their experiences, not about us and our experiences. Remember when we had that talk, Linda? I do. Okay. But today, (laughs) by way of introducing our guests, 
I'm going to break with that tradition and talk about a few of my experiences, and then I think maybe you might talk about one of your experiences too. I actually have a couple. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> ouch! I did not prepare for. I did not prepare <laughs> for this. When I was a kid, Linda, my favorite band was The Clash, and I was finally able to see them in Dayton, Ohio, on May eighth, nineteen eighty four, my yeah. birthday. Yeah. My <laughs> birthday. That's why I remember it. It was the Cut the Crap tour. Guess who opened for The Clash uh, that night, Linda? Are you going to say Irie? Irie. Yes. Irie opened for that, for that, yeah. for the class, yeah. for that I totally show. I remember that show. It was a reggae band called Irie, and to my knowledge and belief, it featured our first guest, drummer Carl- Carlton Smith. Right. I hope I am right about that, because if I'm wrong, then it completely ruins this introduction. Um, since that time, though, opening for The Clash, Carlton has played with numerous bands, including the Royal Crescent Mob, Howl and Maggie, yes. Swimmers, yes. Stonebird, yes. Gathering Stars, yeah. Electric Hurling Stones, oh. Skanklin <laughs> Rhythm Section, Ooh, that was good. Kettle, yeah, Red, Red <laughs> wow. Columbus Soul and Savage, yeah. and 24-7 Spies, wow. and more, yeah. I'm sure. I've done a few more. Thank you That's for great. Thank you for being here, Carlton. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, I I think uh, I confirmed it with my friend Laura yesterday. I saw Irie at Skankland. Yeah, yeah, yeah you did. It we, was awesome. <laughs> yeah, we had, we had a really, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, shortly after seeing Irie open for the Clash, I moved to Columbus, Ohio, for college, and so did you, Linda. At the same time, I did. <laughs> Guess who was one of the very first bands I saw? Probably in late 1984, early 1985. Linda, can you guess? Uh, I'm going to guess RC Mob, but I could be wrong. You are correct, Linda. The Royal Crescent Mob at Bernie's Distillery. What I distinctly remember about that first show was the extreme audience excitement caused in no small part by the bassist, who was our second guest, Happy Chichester. (laughs) I vividly recall that Happy was wearing only two pieces of clothing that night. One of them was a very small cape, and the other was an even smaller bathing suit. It's probably the <laughs> smallest bathing suit I've ever seen. I think it was a Speedo. So let me recap. A cape and a Speedo is what Happy was wearing. Does that sound about right, Happy? They often call me Speedo, but my real name is Mr. Earl. It's, I think that, I, 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 I forgot that I used to, that was one of the things I would wear. I, yeah. I guess that must be right. I guess you're probably yeah, right. It, it, was, it was definitely right. <laughs> definitely happened. <laughs> The RC Mob went on to release uh, a 12-inch EP as well as six full-length albums, two on Sire Records. After the Mob, Happy went on to form Hal and Maggie, releasing two full-length albums, one on Columbia Records and one on his own label, Popfly Music. Happy has also released three solo albums and a 12-inch vinyl EP, and he's recorded music with the Afghan Wigs, the Twilight Singers, Sean Smith, and many others. Thanks for being here, Happy. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be here. Thanks both to you. I found out, Linda, about our third guest in 1985 (laughs) because my brother got married in England. Now, I know that sounds a little weird, but it gets even weirder because the entire family (laughs) went on my brother Mike's honeymoon, which was a whirlwind tour through Europe. It was a different country every day. While in Belgium, I found two records that I absolutely had to have. Simple Man by Klaus Nomi, and Land of Sugar by the RC Mob. I carried those two uncomfortable hunks of plastic with me (laughs) all through Europe and then back to America. (laughs) While I did that, I read the liner notes extensively, and I saw in the credits of Land of Sugar the name Monty Temple. 
and I was intrigued by that name, Monty Temple. Uh, he was listed as the engineer and the producer. Monty went on to work with on all the Mobs records, as well as recordings by local bands such as God in Texas, Mary Adam 12, Miss May 66, and others. He worked as, at stashes as both a bartender and a sound engineer, had a recording studio in Columbus for about 10 years, and for the past 21 years, he's worked with numerous bands on tour, including Ray Fuller and the Blues Rockers, Royal Crescent Mob, Frente, Duncan Sheik, Fastball, Mary Adam 12, Afghan Wigs and the Twilight Singers, and 14 years of touring with comedian Jeff Dunham. Linda, please join me in welcoming our three guests, Carlton Smith, Happy Chichester, and Monty Temple. Welcome, everybody. Thank Thanks. you for joining us today. Thank you Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you, for Thank you. We're Absolutely. very excited. Very excited. I'm going to kick us off today uh, with a question of when did you first know that you were destined for a career in music? Monty, we're going to start with you. Um... Boy, that's a hard one. I guess uh, I was always into music and uh, came to school as a as a mechanical engineering major, but didn't wasn't really working out. And was that OSU at Ohio State? Yeah. Okay. And uh, one of my roommates in my freshman year in college was really into. He was a drummer and really into going to see live music. So we'd go see bands all the time, and I'd go see these guys doing sound. And I'm thinking, well, that would be cool to do, you know. Uh -huh. And then a little after that, Billy ended up becoming the drummer in Ray Fuller and the Blues Rockers. Oh, okay. And oh, wow. After a while, there they had a sound guy who graduated from school, and Billy calls me and goes, "Well, you're going to be our new sound guy." <laughs> okay. And I'm like, "Okay." And by this time, I like dropped out of school for like the third time, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so the and, career found you, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so yeah, I, that's basically between that and bartending is the only jobs. <laughs> I've had since like 1983. <laughs> and what's uh, Billy's name? Full Billy Schwerz. Yeah. Okay. He was actually the drummer on Land of Sugar. Right. Okay, the first drummer for the Mob. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, and he was the drummer for the uh, Roy Ray Fuller and the Blues Rockers. Right. Okay. How okay. About, how about you, Carlton? When I lived in Atlanta, Georgia, um, <clears throat> moved to Atlanta from Columbus, Ohio. I was born in Columbus. Blah blah blah. And um, my mother, um, she sang in the uh, the Atlanta choral ensemble uh, under the direction of Robert Shaw, um, who was very prominent in, uh -huh. in uh, Georgia, <clears throat> in Atlanta. So, um, but I, you know, my mother was always singing, was all, so, <clears throat> and I was playing drums, I picked up drums, you know, so they bought me a drum, you know, some drums, eh, I was six or whatever. Wow. And that, that probably, that's what I've always known. My grandfather, um, He's got several 78s, you know, so which we have. He's you know. on 78s? Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's on 78s. His band was um, the Harmonaires, but he had several. Was uh, he a drummer too? No, he was not. He was a, a, a baritone, oh. and he could sing his ass off. Ah, the Harmonaires, huh? The Harmonaires, yeah. Wow. So um, that's what I, yeah. And so when I was a little kid, yeah, I'd go see him perform, you know, so it just was always there, uh -huh. you know, and... That's why my first wife divorced me. Because <laughs> I said, I'm playing music regardless. <laughs> but we have babies. I know, but I'm playing music. We're going to pray this out. <laughs> so, so. You can see over there on, in the corner, I have, uh, I have a 78 player uh, right, th right there. I need to get one of those Harmonaires. Uh, yeah, definitely. So, I mean, that's how pretty much, you know, that's, it's just always been. So you've had a musical me. family. I have. Yeah. I have. Yeah. I have. Even though I, did, I didn't listen to music. 
which is odd. Really? Wow, really? No, I, no, I didn't listen to music. Yeah. So a lot of my friends, like I'm hanging out with B and Happy, Monty, and all of them, they know all of these, you know, these yeah. artists, you know, and I'm this little black boy coming from the south. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, I mean, because I loved rock and roll. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't want to play, you know, um, I didn't want to play all the other stuff. Yeah. You know, so, I didn't like the booty music. I got tired of all the booty yeah. music. Yeah. Okay. So why did you pick drums? Because they made a lot of noise when you were six probably, years old. Probably. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you this. Um, we lived in Atlanta, so my dad went to <clears throat> Morehouse College. And so we would go watch the bands play all the time. Yeah. It, up until, when was the last time we went? Two years ago? Three years ago? Okay. So... Um, you know, and I would I would march next to the drummers always. Oh yeah, so that's, that's yeah. what it was. Okay, I've talked enough. <laughs> no, okay. no, no, you're fine. So, so yeah, happy. Yes. How about you? How did you first become enthralled with music and know that that was going to be your career path? Well, those two events happened, I think, different times because I was always enthralled with music. Um, my family moved to Columbus when I was nine, and I was. Really, really bummed for like the first mm. six, seven months. Actually, the first couple of years, but but they asked me. I was in fifth grade, and and this like new thing for me was like they you could you could take music in school. They would teach you music. They said, "Do you want to play music?" Because in Maryland, where I came from, they they didn't do that in school. I guess maybe they really? would if I'd stayed. But anyway, yeah. Do you want to play drum? And do you want to play music? I said, "Yeah." What do you want to play? Drums. So, so when I was nine, I started playing drums and I mean, this is just a theme of Columbus, you know, I'm still learning how to play music from Columbus because the people around the community, they just, here, we'll teach you. Um, so that was, I mean, that was life changing and it was great. And I, and pretty soon, I mean, I started writing songs and I'm learning piano. Uh, my mom is like bequeathed me all of her genetic musical gifts uh -huh. i think you know and uh and so i just took to uh from drums then i just started playing guitar and playing piano and learning back and forth but it wasn't really until later that i felt that i was destined for a, a career in music and that happened when i went off uh to college at ou at 17 and mm. uh i met a friend named matt marola and uh we we did a lot of like drug experiments together i mean he actually had done he had done mm -hmm. A little more experimenting before and he was sort of a guide for me yeah. also uh, <laughs> he was your spirit your shaman. spirit guide yeah, yeah. yeah in, in many ways and and then he introduced me to jim rico uh that was like january 81 and uh we had some yeah. we had some experiences with robitussin <laughs> and uh and it re really was like because those guys took this very ritualistic and religious approach to it you know clean the room and pick the music and get everything prepared and then we would then we would uh we call douse with the drugs and I, I did it like a handful of times you know in my uh 18th year and stuff but it was one of those experiences um that i felt so calm because i really was experiencing um constant anxiety this conflict with my parents not wanting me to play music even though i was so into it that i I didn't even go to senior prom. I, I spent money. I saved my money and went to a studio on the uh, east side over in Gahanna and recorded wow. Wow. Uh, my senior year and had this like sprawling prog rock, like six minute piece of music that I recorded all the instruments on. 
So I was obviously, I mean, totally possessed. With Where music. is it? I'd love to hear that now. Uh, yeah, is that, that six-minute Prague opera still available? I, I, well, I wouldn't want anybody to hear it really seriously. <laughs> <laughs> it's awful. God, it's so awful. But, but yeah, really, but in, now in you this, just... In this experience, this sort of religious experience that I had in, in early 1981 with Matt Marola and Jim Rico, um, <laughs> I, I, I just knew that I was going to be playing music. And then, and then I went home after my first year of college, and I had a dream uh, where I went into my little sister's bedroom, my sister Mamie, and she, in her, she had a record player in her bedroom, and uh, her records were up above it. And, and in this dream, I went in there, and I, looked at, I was looking at her records, and I saw all these records that I had done. <laughs> it just um that was it for me that was like i just didn't even question it from that point yeah no, i was 18 years old so that's wow. a, that's, that's like awesome a, that's like a premonition of you would have records on the shelf yeah right? mm -hmm. well you know some some like string i don't know theorists would say that time is actually an illusion that things have happened already and we're just like we're experiencing them on this like extended timeline so i mean perhaps you know i mean sometimes <laughs> when i'm meditating I actually will communicate with my younger self. So, you know, it might have been me now telling myself at 18, right. relax, man, relax. I love it. I wow. love it. Great story. Yeah. That's so amazing. Nice you, truth. Do you snort Robitussin? I, I don't know. No. You just, <laughs> no. You you just drink it, you know, but they put some something that makes you puke now, apparently. I don't think but, they put it. Yeah, they... They, right. they do now. They right. put something in it to make like you puke. Back in the day. Like some hippocac or something. There. But, you know, I'm not recommending, <laughs> yes. I'm not recommending yes. drug use to anyone. So it's just that I don't want to hide, you know, that that's not what it was that made me sure that I was going to make albums and play music and, and travel and do that. Yeah. You know, it was so, just it, drugs had a part of that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. So did... That was when you were about 18, 17, 18. Yeah. Is, did you start a band with someone in high school or college? Um, I was already playing in a high school band. I was playing drums in a high school band called Zephra. And then I went away to Athens. When I came back uh, for, for that break, there was a long Christmas break, I actually sold my drum set and bought a Fender Rhodes piano. And I started, during that break, I actually played a gig with the retooled Zephra because I had gone away. They got a, a new drummer named, uh, Oh, uh, Stearns was his last name. And, Stearns. and they had added Scott Gorsuch on guitar. Oh, uh, you, you might know Scott. I mean, yeah, we, yeah. We, he's in the bloodthirsty virgins and he's been around for a while. God yeah. is just, he's great. And he's so brilliant. He's so brilliant. Uh, -huh. uh, so we were playing together. That was like, I was just turned 18 and then the lollipop was, factory. No, uh, I loved those guys. I love, but I didn't play in Lollipop Factory, but he did. He did. That's what uh, I meant, yeah. And also, one of the other guys from Zephra did. His name was Bob Watts. He played bass in uh, my band in high school and, and also in Lollipop Factory. But anyway, so I, I, I moved from drums to keyboards because there were so many good drummers around. And, and you could always, you know, like, so I was playing keyboards. We were playing like prog rock. And, uh -huh. and so I left college playing in, in in that band and i didn't yeah. start like i didn't start any bands i i just knew i was gonna do it you know i was gonna keep i yeah. needed to write songs and that was like the story for me like write songs and that's yeah. that's why I, like i quit college to play with my band we're playing stuff and i was like we gotta write songs and, and they were just sort of chafing and so i quit that band. <laughs> and my parents were just word. oh lord this kid is 
<laughs> control. So I got a I got a job at Lazarus, and anyway, it, it, it's a long tale. And then talk to somebody else for now. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's ask Monty real quick because I know Monty, you were you had some part in. Um, you mentioned your friend. Uh, What's his name? Jim. Is that right? Uh, that was the drummer, Billy. Billy, I'm sorry, yeah. Billy was the drummer for the RC Mob. What what uh, experiences did you have working? I think you mentioned earlier, or at least you told me that you worked at Stashes. Yes. And as a sound guy and a bartender, yeah. what was your experience there, and what kind of bands did you see there at the at that club? Oh, you name it, we saw it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when I worked at Stashes, basically as a bartender from mm-hmm. like '84 to '87. Like any punk rock show came through. That was when Kurt Schieber was booking oh, all yeah. of his bands uh-huh. and stuff. There was a there was a, a like a six week period where like the replacements played there four times, <laughs> you know. And Shelley would book all these blues acts, and uh-huh. you know, there's all these blues and jazz acts and just you name it. There yeah. were all kinds of bands there. Yeah, yeah. And it was it was a really mm-hmm. awesome time. And were you running sound for that, or were you bartending, or both? Both. Most of that, I was just a bartender at that point in time. Okay. I'm like Ray Fuller would play there, and we would we had our own PA back then. Stashes didn't have a house PA system. Anybody mm. who played there had to bring one in. God, oh, wow. So yeah. like a lot of the All national the acts, it was Mike Jordan. Mm-hmm. Jordan Sound would bring in stuff wow. to do those because yep. okay, you know, that's who they hired all the times and stuff. But. But yeah, I mean, any kind of any of those blues acts are as crazy. Some of the bands that I saw over yeah. a period of time. Yeah, you know, because back then, man, we were paying we were paying like two hundred and fifty bucks just to bring in a sound system uh, out you of your know? pocket. Uh, out of yeah, pocket. that's why that Ray Fuller, we yeah, had our own PA. You know, yeah, you know, back uh, then, yeah, you know, yeah. you definitely provided your own sound, which made it. Yeah. I mean, with Irie, we were we were traveling with two W bands, two fifteen inch horns, two two ten inch horns, and that was just. That was just the front of the house. We didn't. That's, yeah, that's basically what Ray was monitors. traveling with, right, Monty? What's like, that? The, those big two, those big W bins. Ray, right, right. Ray carried two of us, right? Yeah, exactly. When, we when would Happy, do that. Yeah. When Happy was in the Ray Fuller and the Blues Rockers, because Happy and Brian and David at yeah. one point were all in Ray Fuller and the Blues Rockers. Mm-hmm. While I was in Irie. at the same time. Okay. And we had a PA system that we would travel with the W bins and mid cabinets and horns, and plus yeah. Happy was. Had a spin at piano, piano that we, that we <laughs> traveled all over the all over the Midwest. You took a piano along with him. Yes, yes. we would t- like at the Union in Athens. We would carry the, that whole PA system and his piano up the stairs <laughs> to get into the Union. Wow! Well, with the Sim Wimmers, we we traveled with the B three. Yeah, all the time. I wow. mean, that's you know back. Those in are the, heavy. Fuck yeah! Yeah, <laughs> it took four of us. Sorry. So what, was I cor- was I correct, Carlton, when I said that I saw you open for the Clash in nineteen? You were absolutely. Okay. We did it twice. Ah. We did it in Dayton Hair Arena, and we also did Vets Memorial. I was at the and Hair that was Arena. that was during you know the the Belkin days. Uh huh. You yep. know, I don't know if you remember those I do, guys. Yeah. Belkin, okay. yeah. That was all during that time, and uh, no, absolutely. I mean, that was our. Probably our first big show. We have a listener question for you, Carlton, Uh-oh. actually, on this on this very point. Um, let me see if I can find it here. Um, Kyle Seacrest ah. of Lost Weekend Records asks... Love you, man. He says, ask Carlton about Irie opening for The Clash. Any good stories about the cl- about the band? Well, you know, the uh, probably the most the funniest story, maybe. Well, I'll let you be the judge of that. But <laughs> <clears throat> no, you know, Joe Strummer. You know, we're, we just come off the stage... You know, and um, 
was, we thought it was a good show. It was, you know, we were all excited about it. Right. And we came out to shave, and Joe says, you know, when my eyes have closed, you know, you, you, you sound like, you know, a, a good reggae band. <laughs> but man, when I open my eyes and I see these guys there, no, it doesn't look right. <laughs> so when he closes his eyes, you sound good. But you sound you're good when my eyes are closed. So I'm closing them now. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yes. Okay, I'm going to open them. Oh, no, no, no. This is not right. This is not right. You can't mix. Huh. You know? And, well, that's and I said a... to him, though, I said to him, I said, Joe, no. No. We are growing here, right? We're growing. Yeah. We're growing. We're growing. Meaning that... Uh, yes, you can have a mixed band. It's okay. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. He had trouble figuring that. It really that has. And yes. Right. It was that. just funny. Yeah. But How did you start? Or were you starting, Irie? Were you the original member? Yes. Yes. So, uh, The Lantern. Okay. What? The, an- the, the Lantern. The newspaper of <laughs> yes, the lan- yes, oh, yeah, yes. yeah. The Lantern. Yes. Uh, I'm sitting at home perusing the paper and, uh. I see this ad that says, hey, we need a reggae drummer and a reggae bass player. Of course, I did not pronounce it that way because I didn't know how you pronounce it. I say, reggae, what? <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, but I, <clears throat> I learned, you know, that, uh, yes, that we could have other, uh, I can't remember what my train of thought. Come on, come on. But You can um, mix, you can mix and be... Yeah, you could. They, they, you saw yeah, the lantern that right, they, needed, right. they needed a reggae drummer. And so basically we started playing and then we got a bass player and then blah, blah, blah. We got, uh, and we started doing it on a regular basis and we were playing, we were opening for the Swimmers, uh, which was a deadhead band who had a huge following um, down at Bird, Bernie's Bagels. Oh, okay, yeah. So that's where this, you know... You started playing there then? Started playing there, started, and we would do it every Wednesday into, and then until our bass player... Uh, decided that he couldn't do it anymore, uh-huh. yeah. you know. So, but that was very cool because we uh, and actually that band went through so many different amalgamations. Or, you know, um, how long were you in the band? I was in the band for, believe it or not, three years. Wow. Okay. A lot of shit happened in three years. I mean, yeah. okay, okay. So maybe it was a little bit. You know, he and I uh, got together for about six months before we got a bass player, and then we got another bass player, and. It's just crazy. Um, <clears throat> did you tour a lot? We did. Um, actually, that configuration did not. So what happened was, uh, what happened was um, the uh, <laughs> leave me alone. <laughs> the um, we got a we got uh, there was a band called Spleef Brothers that was based out of uh, you probably know it was based out of uh, Athens. And so what we would do, we ended up getting together because they broke up in Florida. Uh, the Spleef Brothers broke up in Florida. So their bass player, their sound engineer, and Dighton Charlemagne, if you know Dighton Charlemagne, he no. was the singer for Irie. He was the singer for Identity. Oh, I remember uh, Identity. Yeah. Yes. So um, <clears throat> we, you know, we toured, we got together, we, and then we started playing out. We played uh-huh. out a lot. We would play all across the, the uh, like, from uh, Indianapolis, you know, New York, uh, Florida, um, we were playing this region, yeah, and um, which was great. Um, <clears throat> and so we, and in that, we would play with you know Bob Marley. Uh, Bob Marley wasn't there, but uh, obviously, but 
um, the the I3s, the Whalers. We would do shows with wow. them on a regular basis. We did uh, the Gladiators. We did Steel Pulse. We did, I mean, Steel wow. Pulse we did at least four times. <clears throat> you know? Wow. Um, we did, uh, what, Jimmy Cliff. We did, I mean, a bunch of the reggae artists. Yeah. Culture? Culture, Oh, yes. wow. Yeah. Um, so they would come to Columbus and we would play. And we, there were several um, <clears throat> effects. Um, festivals that we would play uh-huh. um, so and that was pretty cool we did that for several years the problem became or was that the engineer or not the engineer but the the agent he wanted really badly to be our uh, our manager and I at that point I was in control of the finances which was not my finances but being offered by others but yeah. um, you know yeah, it just was a mess. Uh-huh. So eventually, I quit. Yeah, yeah. I was on the road. I oh. was in St. Lansing. So you had to fly East back, or yeah, I, yeah. I took a bus. Okay. I was, you know, because I quit smoking weed. I quit everything. Oh, okay, and and I was handling the money. We were making, believe it or not, there was eight members in that band. We were making fifty dollars a week. Oh. Okay, and that's not including the per diem. I would include yeah. in the per diem, but it's just crazy. As a band, you're making. As a, 50, yeah, 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 and we're yeah. talking. Okay, this is 1980. Three eighty four. Still, yeah, you're a touring band. Fuck yeah, yeah. and well, yeah. we had kids. Yeah. I had kids. Uh-huh. I mean, it was just crazy what we were doing at the age, <laughs> and I was the youngest. Wow. I was the youngest um, because everybody was at least twenty seven years old, twenty, twenty, twenty nine, and I was like twenty two, twenty three. Yeah, and um, yeah, it, it was crazy. Huh? Wow. So, so, so you, um, you got into that band from the Lantern. But you got into RC Mob because of well, Monty. It did. Okay, so let me bring it around there. Yeah. So um, I was I got off the bus, went to Stashes. It was just Monty and I. Yeah. In in the in the uh, at Stashes, and um, I said to Monty, "Who's this?" He said, "Well, it's a band that I work with. It's RC Mob." I said, "What do they do? Play music? Okay." <laughs> Is that how you sound? <laughs> okay. The truth comes out. <laughs> now we know. That's how he hears you. <laughs> no, no, Monty. No, Monty is my boy. So no, don't ever no. Uh, so yeah, he said, "Well, I'll set up a, uh, you know an audition." I said, "Cool." And I'm gonna tell you as I, as I mentioned before, um, and you can stop me, yeah. but. Uh, it was the sorry that's alright dude you went to an audition I did yeah how was it it was great yeah do you remember anything you, play, anything you played there payback payback I think that was probably the first thing that we played yeah um Get on the bus. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, so and was, I just, I, I just, I loved it. Uh huh. I can't, you know. At first sight, it was. You walked yeah. in, and happy. How'd you feel about that that audition? Oh. Did, did he pass? <laughs> Carlton is even now understating it. Not intentionally. It's just hard to. It's hard to really convey the magnitude of that moment. You know, we we had been. We had our first EP out. It had been picked by the Village Voice and Robert Criscow and a bunch of writers as like the EP of the year. 
And we played New York with, with Billy. And Billy Schwears is mm -hmm. so such a great guy. I'm going to yeah. emphasize. He mm -hmm. was he was hanging out with us and helping us the whole while we we had looking for a drummer. <laughs> we had auditioned like five. We had played with like five drummers. There's like uh, uh, Davey West who is still around here. Uh, he played with B in the Cowboys with Mark Eitzel. And, and he's the one who like did the first mob recordings with us. We're, we're first recording, I should say, because it came from a battle of the bands. <laughs> Studio time was the prize um, of a battle of the bands that was held at Crazy Mamas. And, uh, and, and so the, we just staying on track, we had had all these drummers. And, um, and Carlton came in. I know it was like, it was like, spring 1986 mm -hmm. yeah you're right. we had all this momentum going and and there was like the smoldering the shows would ha have some energy and we'd get some response and there was smoldering and smoke then carlton steps in that day and everything just burst into flames <laughs> and it just was from that moment forward we were on a ramp that were. that really yes. took us all around and, and brought us like a little taste of fame, you know? And uh, it, was, it was an incredible moment when Carlton came and played because I mean, he and I just hooked up immediately. Yeah. Like, just like, Kank! and we like kind of, we fell in love with each other. I remember helping him carry his drums back to his car. <laughs> Carlton, you remember like, dude, man, wow. <laughs> like, I mean, we, it was. We were kind of speechless, and and me and B and David, we didn't even have to like confer. On like, we need a we need a sidebar right here, please, Joe. <laughs> it was nothing like that. It was just like, well, we want you to join right now, and we'll start paying you because I know you you know you've got obligations at home. And Carlos is like, no, I make what everybody else makes. Like he would not accept us giving him any extra money. It's so like yeah. I, I want to make what everybody else makes, and and it was just from that moment forward we start playing the gigs. We we started recording Omerta immediately. Yeah, we like did. Love and Tuna oh, yeah. Fish was the first, and that was like the month after you get in the band. I think that first day, I just I I wonder if we were even starting to jam that, you know, because that song mm -hmm. was just a jam, and we started recording Omerta immediately when Carlton joined the band, and it was just like everything pop, everything yeah. locked into place, did, and, and that day. That Carlton, I mean, I know you got emotional because I, I was there, man. I understand why. <laughs> it was just the most amazing thing. And then you step onto the stage, and those gigs that have been kind of a struggle, it just turned into like you're just flexing this powerful. You're just like you're punching the accelerator on a race car or something. <laughs> it was just indescribable yeah. the power that the band could wield. As soon as Carlton entered the musical yeah. landscape, yeah. it was unbelievable. Cannot overstate that day.
and if I, and if I understand it, Monty, you actually may be the missing link there because because totally. Carlton, Carlton came into the to stashes, yeah, he was not knowing anything about the RC mob, <laughs> right? Oh yeah, he had no idea. Yeah, what's no. your? He, I and I knew him from playing like in the swimmers, and yeah. With I, Irie, Irie yeah. and he come up and asked me about who's this band because we had a flyer looking for a drummer on the oh, wall with flashes. Okay, yeah. and he was asking me, you know, who is this band? And I was like, well, it's this band I've been doing sound for. You know, uh-huh. we we've had we've had like six drummers, and every now <laughs> every time one of them quits, Billy will come back, and we uh-huh. and Billy's graduated from college, so we need to find somebody. <laughs> and he goes, well, okay, I'm interested. And I'm, th- I'm like thinking. Uh okay, we'll, we'll see how this goes. But okay, yeah. go. It's worth a try, you know. Well, you'd seen him play in the swimming. Oh yeah, yeah so I knew he was a good drummer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but <laughs> but yeah, what what happened was no, I don't think any of us. So how did you get involved in the in the RC mob then? Uh, well, like I said, Happy and David and Brian were all playing With in Rayful. Rayful and the Blues Rockers yeah. when they, that band broke up. I went out on tour for like six months. With um, this band from Alabama, okay. and I came back, and Brian and and David were starting the Royal Crescent Mob. Okay, and that Happy wasn't even with them yet. He was playing with another band, and I was just hanging out with those guys. Work started working his stashes, and just started you know whatever. Whenever they played gigs, I'd show up and kind of do sound for them or whatever. Yeah. And then Happy joined and. Okay. We got Billy back in the band as the drummer, and uh-huh, just to start, yeah, and then yeah. yeah, Billy left like three times because <laughs> he was in school wanting to get a degree. Oh right, yeah. So, so I know a bunch of people are going to kill me if I don't ask the question of what does Royal Crescent Mob mean? Of course. What, is, what is that? Where does that come from? Is anybody? I got three people here that can tell me. Oh, the first answer. of all, none of us can Happy? really answer it firsthand. Because that, cause that, that's something that came from B and David. And really, right. B and David were, right. were the guys who started the band. Even though we had played together in Ray Fuller. And Monty, by the way, is like always a member of Royal Crescent Mob. He's always. like the fifth mobster. He's always. Just always been there. All the albums, every show. Yeah, every, he's like just the guy in the band, you know. Yeah. Equal he's the fifth member. Really. He's, he's a so member, you know, definitely without a fucking doubt. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also... You know, in those days before automated mixing and, and boards and stuff, <laughs> the, the, the sound man is actually performing, you know? Oh, the whole yes. Show. Fucking slicing and dicing. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, we got what? T- today we have what? Uh, <clears throat> edit and... Yeah. Right. Yeah, but back then... All the tricks of the I mean, trade. Well, right? well like, we, we were recording a record. Oftentimes and, carrying the PA, but... Uh, but yeah, right. Monty, like, like, uh, I was playing, I was playing Billy Schwears's drum set in another band, competing with the Royales. <laughs> that, uh-huh. that was what they called themselves before. Yeah, the Royales. Oh, it started off as the Royales, which was the, yeah. The, and and here's what's funny: they, the way they spelled it is not like R O Y A L E S, plural. No, uh-huh. it was like they spelled it Roy. R O Y dash Y'alls. <laughs> kind of funny. It, yes. it was sort of problematic. And uh, they they won this battle of the bands at Crazy yeah. Mamas. I think that they bought off the, the judges. Uh, <laughs> bought off the judges. There might have been just, some stuff into the ballot box. <laughs> yeah. John yeah, was one of the judges. I know they were plying him with drinks. But I was playing Billy Schwartz's drum set in this other band. 
And, um, and so the, the Royales win the Battle of the Bands and they win a session at Music Hall. And, oh. uh, and they, they gave me a call because I was, I was in school, but I, but I couldn't stop playing music because I was playing drums in this other band. <laughs> because that guy, Billy Schwerz, who's such a saint, loaned me his drum kit. <laughs> and it, like, he, I didn't even have a drum kit. I had sold it. I told him that's... So I'm playing his drum kit. And, and the, the Royals won the, uh, the, the Battle of Bands. And we went to musical and recorded a song called I Want a Van. Because they called me up and said, "Hey, um, would you want to <laughs> do this? Would you want to do this session? We we won the session, as you know, because we, we, <laughs> we, we beat you, you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, and, and you know, we, we've got some songs, and would you like to come? And I said, yeah. And actually, at that point, we started getting together, just me and David and B." over on Tompkins, right near High, uh, B, had, B had an apartment. He was living with his girlfriend, Stacy. And uh, we started to get together up there and just write songs. And uh, I remember one of those early ones in 84. This is like before we did the session. Uh, we worked on some songs, and then we all went up to the Al Rosa and saw Sheila E., which was... Oh, wow. Like, I remember, and also I remember like, we were starting this process of writing songs together for a new band. And uh, around, I mean, well, first of all, we recorded a song called I Want a Van. And you can, fi <laughs> you can find that on YouTube. You yes, can you find can. It. I, I found I it last week. Yes. I recommend it. I really do. Yeah. It's actually kind of cool. It really is. And, and David's, I mean, I'm going to just take a sidebar because I want to get into it later when we really talk about the mob and not just the origins. But David... Uh, has this particular charm with his lyrics and his delivery. He's just such a... Amen, brother. I mean, just he's just got this thing that's so brilliant, Damn. funny, and rich. Yeah. And uh, I Want a Van was really good. And I just, I mean, I'd been writing songs now for, you know, my in my life, like... 50 years. <laughs> 50 like over years. a decade. And, and yeah. actually, like, recording and stuff. And um, But there was something special about David B., they had forged this, you know, they're the cornerstones, the foundation of the band. I know. And their relationship. Carlton used to refer to them as mom and dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes you get mad because I'd say grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. Nobody wants to hear that. But uh, we, did, we did I Want a Band. We started working on Land of Sugar, which becomes our first EP, which really, really opened doors. But that Land of Sugar is really, I highly recommend that one too, because our mm -hmm. influences yes. were all, we were like merging all these mm -hmm. musical influ influences, starting with, you know, we like grew up on rock, but we, we all loved the Ohio players. We all loved Rick James. Uh, on, on Land of Sugar, there's a, 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 a um, cover of each, one yeah. each of Rick James and the Ohio players. Right. That's but we're also amazing. Like, we're also like getting 
better at we're taking we're learning from them you know to, about writing songs and and arranging and, yeah and performance so we did uh we did land of sugar recorded it up the street indianola up right by where Jovan's coffee shop is now oh uh, really no yeah me too is right like on that block with uh studio 35 right yeah and Jovan's got his coffee shop and right next door there used to be a studio there called 3001 that's where we recorded land of sugar was was that yeah. uh land of sugar like a um uh reference to to sugarfoot from the ohio players precisely that yes. and i commend wow. you ding 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 <laughs> well that's part of my internet googling uh, wizardry <laughs> there you I, was, go. I, I found also, an old old article with uh david being interviewed and he talked about it and he also mentioned i think the back cover has a picture of sugarfoot's house yes and that he used to, lands, yeah and that exactly. he used to mow his lawn yes yeah. <laughs> yes let's say it again <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty amazing <laughs> yeah. So uh, I mean, we were we had all this momentum when uh, when Carlton came in. Like I think it was like April or May '86, and and they set the, me up, bro. They set me up for the tip. Yeah, I'm telling you, you get get the totally, boat. totally. And and I remember the summer in '86 was just grand and glorious because we 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 started playing these shows and people just started flocking more and more showing and more up, man they were showing we up. marched right up high street we went from apollos to uh, bernie's bagels to stashes and stashes was like the hub of of the culture in right. the 80s right. it, was, it was the hub it was mm -hmm. it can't be overstated just how in that cultural landscape with no internet and you know, there's such a print medium and God. an underground music scene that was it was it was sort of hidden from view. In the eighties there was the big superstars like Prince and Madonna mm -hmm. and the big hair mm -hmm. bands later and everything, mm -hmm. but underground there was this very, very thriving very much both so. economically and culturally, it was just such mm -hmm. a rich scene and uh, and so Stashes was a hub for all of that. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I lived on uh, Norwich um, in like 84. I had uh -huh. studied art. I went back to college and studying art. And I had a roommate, Andy Barron, who was a painter. Mm -hmm. And I remember looking out my bedroom window at uh, the International <laughs> House of Pancakes. And Kurt Cheever <laughs> is walking the replacements over to, to buy them like, lunch before they have to hit the road again. And I was just thrilled. <laughs> you know, like you could, go to, you could go to Stashes and see the replacements or you could see john lee hooker you could see buddy guy and junior wells you could see sun ra you could see yeah, the yeah. Burn. i mean it just goes on and on and it was it was like that kurt, was the uh, the lightning rod kurt sheber was that was on our podcast a little bit earlier and he talked about how the replacements stayed in town so they could see john lee hooker at stashes like they sp they stayed an extra week or something just so they could see the show oh. yeah well, that it's that was a crazy. wise decision because you know one of those questions. I'll talk about the John Lee Hooker at stashes later. <laughs> when, when, yeah, you got I'll me beat on that. When so, you ask about it, I'll tell you. So, where did you guys record after after Carlton gets in the band? Then, when where did you record Omerta and uh, in that album? Recording workshop. The recording workshop in Chillicothe. Yep. Oh, wow. Yeah, we, yeah, we, we, we would went go there. down after hours. Yeah. Oh. And like was, record like two songs. Each night after after the students were done, we'd go down and okay. right and see. And so when we initially did that too, though, um, we would they didn't 
I mean, they did it for free too. Yeah. Uh huh. Oh mean, wow. They, they, yeah. I mean, they were very cool about that. And then it was like, well, hey, Jonathan Weiner. Jonathan Weiner was our producer and engineer on Omerica, Omerta, and that uh, for me. When I moved to Boston in 2009, somewhere around there, I actually went and looked him up, Jonathan Weiner, you know, because we had done that record, what, in 1986, 87, yeah. something 86. like that. 86. Uh -huh. And yep. uh, no, it was really, it was really good to, to, to connect with him. He's with Berkeley. Um, and and um, yeah, because we were just, it was just us. Yeah. Yeah. You know, down down at uh, recording workshop. So you did like two songs at a time going yeah, down there. Yeah, we would. We, we would go down like once a week or something like that and record right. a couple songs. And yeah, and and you were the engineer. Is well, that right? Well, I kind of. He was the engineer. He was one of the engineers. <laughs> tell and tell us what what an engineer does, just so we can kind of get the picture. <laughs> tell us what you did. Yeah, well, yeah what did you do? And, and every record was a little bit different. You know, uh -huh. sometimes you're the guy tracking. Sometimes you're just. You know, what's the guy tracking? Can you explain for that? That's a, the guy that's actually hit and play on the record, and okay, you know, yeah. But you know, we kind of did a lot of it together, and uh -huh. you know, come up with the ways things should sound, and okay, and you know, and the producer kind of works in with that too, yeah, and arrangements and the way things sound, and uh -huh. make it all work together. So, and that's what we did, though. You know, uh, it was always a big group. Of yeah, us. it was. It was uh, all. Hey, everybody was involved. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hey, hey, Carlton. Hey, Monty. I, I want to ask you something. I have this visual memory okay. uh, recording uh, Omerta at the recording workshop, uh -huh. and you guys built like this. Like it was out of blankets. You built this long tube out of Carlton's uh, bass drum, <laughs> and you had like a mic at, at like. Eight now, feet out, or something. Was that tuber. was that the recording workshop, or, or was, was that, that Dreamland, or was that that was a for good lucky killer? We did oh, it, man, we did it in the back of monkeys, but we did it back of monkeys. But we, you know, we got that idea though, right? I mean, I thought, from, I, thought I remembered it at, at the recording workshop because the first it, thing that's we what did, I'm going to say. I know we did it a few times. Is that is that to make the bass drum sound deeper? Or something? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And you get you get like a, a mic up into the the kick drum that gets the attack, and then you get a tunnel effect, and you put a mic back through the carpet uh -huh. and uh. it gets more of a bo bassy bottom end sound and uh. okay a lot of tricks that people tricks the pass trade. down yeah. pass down over the years you know yeah happy can you tell us about uh, my favorite song on omerta is two sisters and it has a lot to do with your bass sound at just just the beginning so of that funny. song the mm -hmm. i don't know what you call it tone i guess maybe but it just sounds so perfect for that song and it comes oh. out it just it sounds like it comes out of a like, huge cavern or something and just like boom 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 so anyways i'm getting a, i'm fanboy geeking out here but um, thank you thank you, you can you tell us a little bit about the recording of that song or or your tone or something like that that might make a geek like me uh, you know squeal <laughs> with happiness <laughs> Oh, I still I still have that bass, and 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 we're, we started. Me and Carlton started rehearsing last week, and I'm still using that same bass. Uh, me and B both, right prior to recording "Land of Sugar," the first record, uh, we had our guitars set up at JJ's on the hilltop on the west side, and I had my bridge replaced. It's like a Leo Kwan on there, I think, and uh, the the pickups were replaced, and and then that bass hasn't been touched ever since then, and and. I've been in my studio at times when I'm recording bass tracks. I've got some other basses and I would plug them in and, um, you know, struggle to try to find a tone and the sound. But um, I've, I've just plugged this Fender 
precision bass that I had souped up at JJ's uh, on the hilltop, if I just plug that in, it sounds just like that. It's just yeah. amazing. <laughs> it's like I call it the magic bass because it's got all that tone. It's just right there. Monty, we have a listener question for you on, about Omerta. Um, again, Kyle Seacrest <laughs> asks, Love him. Is, is the RC Mob song Ballad of Monty Temple based on a true story? And then Joe, o- Joe Ostrike followed up that question, and he says, what was really going down when the man came around? <laughs> um, could you talk about that song and, and, uh, and kind of what, what it's based on? Well, it is definitely a true story. Okay. <laughs> yes. And it comes, yes. it comes from the recording workshop, too. Yes. Okay. Because yes. we were recording, I think we did, I want to say we did Two Sisters that night at the recording workshop, and after we got done, it was like one or two in the morning, and we were had a show in New York City the next night. Okay. And so we left at two in the morning oh. to drive to New York in, this, in oh. our van. And like David always would drive. Uh-huh. So always. He, he drove like the first four hours and we get somewhere in the middle of Pennsylvania and he goes, okay. He goes, I'm whipped. I can't drive anymore. He goes, can you drive? I'm like, sure. Yeah. You know, I'm, no problem. It's like four, and five in the morning, six in the mornings, whatever. And, and at that time, Pennsylvania was 55 miles an hour. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, and we had this really crappy, rusted out van that we were uh-huh. traveling around uh-huh. in. And so I'm driving. I'm kind of struggling. I've been driving for a couple hours, kind of struggling to stay awake, you know, and probably going like 65 instead of 55. Uh-huh. And the <laughs> state highway patrolman pulls me over. Okay. You got the sirens. You got the sirens. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. He kind of wakes you up a little bit, you know, and he comes up. <laughs> and um, you know, so was, is everybody else asleep in the van? Pretty uh, much. I think Happy was awake. Okay, I was riding shotgun. Yeah, I was hanging out but everybody else was sleeping. Oh yeah. Okay. And uh, the cop comes up, you know, and he goes, "I need to see your driver's license and registration." Yeah. And then all of a sudden, he kind of goes away, and he comes back. And when he comes back, he's got his gun out and just <gasps> pointed right at me. <laughs> wow! Oh my god! <laughs> and we had in in this old van, we had one of those little. Little cap guns with the red rings. Oh, it was sitting so in the stupid. it was sitting on the in the Castle. middle in the middle of the two seats up front, and he saw that and just assumed it was a real gun. Wow, as so, I would too. Oh my yeah. god! So we all kind of freaked out for a little bit there, yeah. and then he he he, uh, see the gun. he ended up giving me a ticket for sixty five miles an hour yeah. and having too much rust on our vehicle. Oh man! <laughs> That's and having, wow. I think we had something hanging from the rearview mirror too. Well, so he was. gave his obstruction of the of the rearview mirror. Oh, and that was after, two. though, he was able to verify that it was yeah, not after, a real gun. Yeah. Right? He got so embarrassed that he thought it was a gun. So did you say? But it's only a toy. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, it's only a toy. It, it happened so quick that I yeah. don't really. Yes, you, know. you just say yes. <laughs> yeah. 
Hey, we have another listener question on uh, on Omerta. Uh, David Lewis asks, who I think runs Elizabeth Records, uh, why did you put that stinky fish picture on the cover of Omerta? Okay. Does I'll anybody have the answer to that one? Yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, you know what it's about, right? Wrapping fish? Mm. Like he, uh, All right, let me tell you, bro. Do you know what Omerta is? You know what Omerta oh, is? Oh, it's the mob uh, yes. phrase, but I don't know what it means. It's, it's, <laughs> it's the code of silence for the, the mob. Code of oh. silence. And if you break the code of fi- silence, you're probably going to get a, a fish you, wrapped up in be, newspaper, you're gonna be which silenced. means they're going to whack you. Yes. Oh, wow. I, do not, I <laughs> wow, did not know that. I didn't know that. <laughs> yes. You will get iced. Okay. Wow. So this was your message to the to the world. <laughs> Here's the fish. Here's the, <laughs> the mob is going to whack you if you buy this record. David 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 had an infatuation with with old mob store mob stories and yeah. uh, okay and yeah. all kinds of stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, and, but it's, yeah, it's Meyer true, Lansky, it's Dutch Schultz, all the old gangsters and mobsters. David was. Fascinating. Hey, this brings it. me back to my original question, which I don't think we actually answered: is the Royal Crescent Mob? How the name come about? And we talked about the Roy Yalls. Um, is the mob? Does the mob have something to do with Omerta? Like mob, mob for Royal Crescent Mob? Well, after we started, after David and B we were getting the band together. They called me. We recorded at at uh, at musical, and then those guys moved into an apartment together. Yes, down on uh, Neal Avenue. That's where I funny because they were living right next door to my mm-hmm. friends from OU, Jim Rico and Matt Marola. Okay, right down there on, on Neal Avenue, and I was living on Norwich, so I was only a couple blocks away. Mm-hmm. And uh, and one of the mm-hmm. things that David and B did, uh, I mean, they they just had this like roommate relationship now we played in bands and traveled and toured together but they had this roommate relationship now and and somehow i think in that time between the royales recording i want a van (laughs) between those two it metamorphosed into (laughs) royal crescent mob and you'd have to ask them okay about that because because i don't really know i don't know if i'm right but from my understanding the royal crescent's was this elite group of Shriners? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking oh, too. Okay. Oh, Shriners. So, okay. <laughs> you know, and drinking buddies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, okay. I, I could be wrong on that, but that was always my understanding. Okay. Of, I bet you're right. <laughs> yeah, that's I pretty bet good. You're right, good Monty. Chance. Can you talk about that a little bit, about what Snob, the Something New, Old and Borrowed album, and how that came about, and, and, and where that took you? Well. Carlton? Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I know that, um, yes, I think that was right, right? Um, oh, you're here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Happy, where are you? <laughs> um, yes, uh, because we were, we were checking out Richard Carterer, and we were checking out Eric, right? Well, because I think, they, we, yeah, I think Eric, 
Eric came to us he was wanting, to, wanting to do, do something, it. right? And then he wanted to bring Richard. Okay, tell us who him. Richard and Eric are. Who are those two people? Eric Cowley <clears throat> was a fan. He came to see us, and he really wanted to produce uh, our record. No, we should have had him. Yeah. And also, uh, renowned he, renowned engineer. He worked on. Uh, he worked on. Uh, Miles Davis records, right? And, exactly. Uh, That's he, what he, was. he was into yeah. remixing, mm -hmm. and he was like this young New York guard in that right. era with, uh, you know, like Africa Bombada, and mm -hmm. th this is sort of like this big, bubbling culture that Eric came out of. He's like he's French, right? Uh -huh. Exactly. He, he he moved from France to New York, mm -hmm. and uh, and he's just like into what we're doing, and yeah. Richard Goderer, uh, is like. Legendary. He's the co-founder of Sire Records. He's, right. That's he, why. He was a member of the Strange Loves. They wrote uh, songs like "I Want Candy." Right. He yeah. co-founded co uh, Sire Records with Seymour Stein. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he's like he's pretty legendary. And so, I think that Richard was kind of he loved Eric, and Eric was getting his uh, he was getting his leg up in the industry a bit. You know, and he found this band brings him kind of I think to to Richard, and uh, and the recordings that we did at the record plant in 1988 for uh, it was like our final contractual obligation to mm -hmm. moving target records as mm -hmm. part of celluloid okay we had one more we had one more record in our deal right. and uh so there was part of the reason that record is structured and sequenced the way it is is because we're <clears throat> richard like is at sire and we've got one more record for moving target before we can move along and they're actually negotiating like who gets what songs you know because oh, okay seymour stein really seymour stein really wanted us and there was this one song that me and david well we wrote it like in an hour and i had no idea that it was gonna like people were gonna like it uh, <laughs> the, the song called happy at home and um i guess like seymour really wanted that song i guess I don't know. They got into this back and forth, but that was that. our hmm. that was like our test run working in the studio with, with Eric guys. and Richard. Right. And uh, and one one thing I remember about that is I don't know. Do you guys remember one of the takes we did for Happy at Home? Um, it stunk. I was like I, I I was like no, this is not the right take. There's a better <laughs> take. And we 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 actually went back to Chris and Sarah's house. I was upset like the whole time and we went back the next day. I was like, listen to this other take. And they finally got the right take. Does that ring a bell? It does not. But it doesn't mean it does not. But that does not mean that it. <clears throat> we, we did it in like true. two days in, in, in the record plant in New York City. And those guys like it, they ended I remember up, doing it. They ended, ended up giving Happy at Home to Jean Caracos, who owned. Mm. Uh, uh, celluloid. Right. That's right. He got that. He got that and the rest of the stuff from Snob. Uh -huh. And then Sire got everything else. Okay. So what but is Sire that live? Did, Sire did not get um did not get happy at home. Okay. <laughs> that went so that went to Jean Jean Which is good. Apparently. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Well, I don't know. it's I, nice having it. Second guessing to me. So yeah, how guess. how did you get signed to Sire Records then? What was the story there, and uh, and what was the, what was the deal? What, how, how did they work with you? Uh, they gave us thirty five thousand dollars as an advance. 
They did? I can't even remember that. Show. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I remember. Well, we gave Carlton $35,000. <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute. We did. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Maybe, 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 uh, let me stand, I stand corrected. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was 35000 because I have a picture of it. Because, oh, yeah, it, oh, yeah. yeah I took a picture of, of that tech, you know, uh-huh. the, the, the stub, you know, because I was, yeah, this is Cool, yeah. Cool, you know. I but mean, you know what? That that year, um, eighty eight, we we were very sought after. Um, I know. There was, uh, we, we were playing CBGBs. We would go to New York and play CBs, and I remember like when one night when it was like just that. packed and everybody looks a certain way. It's New York. It's yeah. CBGBs, and and there are these dudes that just don't look like they fit in. And end up being Seymour Stein and Don Rubin. Yes, exactly. Wow. Richard Goddard and all these dudes. And even um, SBK, um, man, the, you can't forget SBK. Yeah, Charles Koppelman flew to to Columbus and wined and dined Dined-us. at the top wow. uh, at the Hilton Nationwide Building. Yes, it was, and like we we were up in a penthouse there, and he was pitching us. He had he told us his son had found Tracy Chapman, right? Exactly, because it was about Tracy Chapman. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he was really pitching us and really wanted us. But Sire, I mean, Sire was just so cool, and we worked with Richard, we worked with Eric, and Eric was super cool. He was into doing experimental things like you know like working uh in in ways that we'd only read about that we we didn't really know like like making tape loops yeah and actually getting like a loop of tape spooling around the control room at bearsville That's like we, we would never Tundra. have known how to do that but yeah. eric set it up the next thing you know i mean they we've got this drum loop like a real actual loop made of and, tape and, and, and tape together that's going around the entire control room. what does like that, that do what kind of sound does that produce it's just it just gives you a long loop it gives you a big it's just like a looper loop. now they've got them digitally now no, well right because because okay. back then i mean it was it was mic stands uh-huh. we were running tape yeah hear me <laughs> we're running tape around mic stands in the control room uh-huh. after the whole we'd, control room. we'd sliced it and diced it what were you gonna say Hap? well that's that's eric calvi man i know I know, he, dude. He knew, also, he was starting to work with sampling too, because he did he did lots of remixes. And well, stuff. come on, I had an S nine fifty. Yeah, and, an S nine fifty, which is the the excuse me the premier sampler. You know, <laughs> I mean that's what people would dub on. You had fifteen seconds to come up with a sample. Wow. So when you say a loop, though, do you mean like a closed loop of tape yes. that repeats over and over, yes. depending on how long the Correct. loop is? That's how long the wow. sequence is? Exactly. exactly. Right. Okay. Exactly right. It would go. And so Tundra, Okay. We, we'd all gone out. <laughs> we'd all gotten schnockered because it was the last song, right? Pretty much. And we'd all yeah. gotten schnockered. <laughs> and we went to this French restaurant, you know, and we were eating really good food. And we were at Bearsville, uh, Woodstock, right? Okay. That was really yep. nice. Yep. All right. All right. <laughs> just saying. Just Brand. saying. Awesome. <laughs> it was, man. And we came back and we fucking slammed on that song. I mean, we were all fucking drunk. <laughs> I'm serious. You know? No, no. We, we were too drunk. We were too drunk to uh, record. But Eric. They made it happen. Good. Like he got you and Jimmy Ford playing drums together. I know. First. Like he's gonna he's gonna build this song from the basement up, <laughs> and he and, and he captures this jam in Bearsville, which is an amazing studio. We'd never been in a studio like that ever. Right. And um, Metallica had just been in there a month before, and um, there was tons of like amazing 
everything. And, uh, and so Eric sets up the drum loop and then he brings me and B in and say, okay, you guys play the song <laughs> to this. Me and B and David play the song to the drum loop. And, uh, and, and so we got that track. And then at the end of the night, I mean, this is like one of, one of those memories I'll never, ever forget. Mm -hmm. uh, me and David had grown kind of close over the previous year. The closest we'd been, we were writing songs. So he, like B was down in Cincinnati and we would just get together in the afternoon and write songs, which was just I missed amazing that. Thing. Why didn't you guys and invite me? <laughs> you were doing things. You had kids to, I mean, there was I lots know, of stuff going me, on. We were just trying to, we had to crank out songs was the thing. God, you could never, I mean, at that, in 88, 87, 89, 90, you just couldn't ever, ever have enough songs. There was mm -hmm. such a demand yeah. from the label, from, you know, you just had to be writing songs all the time. So uh, I just remember having to talk B <laughs> because he was he, tundra came from that era of the early royales when b and david were living together and he had this thing that we kind of we worked it up and uh and we turned it into a song but b was like mm, he wasn't create he wasn't too keen on that song but we we needed the song and i always thought that that song was great but it was sort of in need of uh a, a place at the end like a structure <laughs> so we had the loop going from Eric, me and B and David get on the mic and, and we just started to vamp out the ending. And then me and David, we were, we really were drunk as can be. And we were arm in arm <laughs> and singing that God, song, still doing it. <laughs> singing, singing that song on the mic together uh, is one of the greatest moments of my life of just singing with somebody, mm. a feeling of closeness. <clears throat> and then at the end, we just get into this whole like improvisational thing. Like, I love you. We're just drunk <laughs> and seeing the stars. It was David great. comes up with this, it you know, I love you. You love me. It was just, um, I mean, yeah. that was a glorious way to, to cap off the recording of that <clears throat> album. Yeah. Because nice. it was a song that we had, you know, we talked B into doing it because he wasn't into it, but it needed to be, it needed to be there. It's one of my, I love that song. I love, I love Tundra. <laughs> So you all uh, <laughs> toured a lot, um, nonstop. Yeah, who? Uh, what kind? Of, tell us about what kind of bands you toured with, and any any stories coming out of the tour. Monty, you toured with them as well, right? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. 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 I, yeah. I Monty mean, was with us like a dude. There was never a show that we didn't. We Monty. never did a show without Monty. So tell never. us about, Tell us some of the bands you toured with and some stories, Monty, uh, um, from that time frame. Well, we we did. Probably two or three different tours with the replacements. Oh, wow. And like, uh, like what, what album were they on? Do you remember? 
Like what? What period? Pleased to meet me. Pleased to meet yeah. you. Tim. 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 It started was... with Tim. Tim. Because we opened up. We opened up for them at the uh, at the Newport on Tim, and and this was with Billy, and then we drove right to New York to play at CB's. Uh, and, to, and, and that was when we were putting out Land of Sugar. Okay. Right yeah. Carlton. Yeah. It was fun hanging out with Paul Westerberg and just talking baseball on oh. the faces. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he likes the faces. Oh, yeah. He's a huge faces fan uh, and oh. a big Twins fan, you know. Uh-huh. But it was, I, I was always a replacements fan. So, yeah. That was always fun, you know. We did. Um, they like me too. With uh, Faith No More <laughs> and uh, okay. Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, we did a whole Fish tour bone. With, with the. B-52s. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm in, yes. Yeah. So, how long, how, like, oh. when you say a tour, how many shows are we talking? Three. Uh, we, we did three and a half weeks with fucking, fucking B-52s. Wow. And I yeah. mean, and you know, it doesn't sound like much, but you, you get your ass out there, and you start playing in front of those audiences that truly have no desire to see you. Uh-huh. I, I remember doing None. shows with uh, Living Color... <sighs> And they their their crowd hated us. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. For the most part. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, we were not we were not rock enough for. Uh huh. But uh, Vernon what Reed from just he, lo- he, he we loved. He loved one of the times band. we played in New York. We opened up for Defunct, which was his band. Mm-hmm. He was in before Living College. No, no, no. Right. Oh. No. It, it, he he was playing with them, but we would play shows with uh, Living Color at. Like uh, Maxwell, Maxwell. Yeah, I think we, they're, we played. They're, we played they're, the first. Sorry. The first uh, Living Color gig yeah, was at Maxwell's, and we exactly. opened up for it. Oh wow! I, I think I was it was Vernon would come. Vernon would come to see us all the at, time uh, at CBGB. Yeah, yeah. So that, we would always that see, we would always see Vernon. He's such an amazing, sweet guy, man. But I think I, one of my favorite tours was in '88, playing with Billy Bragg. Oh yes, because, yeah. And, and Michelle Shock. Yes, because. I remember seeing uh, Abby Hoffman speak at uh, mm. in New York wow. on that tour, and we and we kind of got to know Billy Bragg. So when we went to England, he was right there uh, to show us around, wow. and give us a, a score of great. London. Because I'm during that time, you know, I'm I have an eight millimeter cam- camera. Uh-huh. I don't have a video. I don't. I have regular eight. Yeah, <laughs> not super so, eight. <laughs> no, you know, I did get super eight eventually. Okay, but. Yeah, I mean, with Billy Bragg, like we did several shows with him, and we did develop a relationship with him, which is really good. It was a long tour. It Remember, was... we played those shows way up in Canada. Yes, exactly, and, uh, exactly. Oh wait, and, was that that might have, that might have been Skid Roper and Mojo Nixon? That's well, that, <laughs> and you know what? You know what? That came up to me the other day. I was like, wait a minute, did we do that with Bragg? We, we toured. That with we toured Roper. a. Because yeah, yeah. the Western Canada was definitely with Skid uh, and Mojo. Okay, Camper Van Beethoven. Yes, yes. I love those guys, man. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> so I have a listener question, and this is for anybody. Um, it's from Mike McDermott, uh, and he asks: Legend has it that the mob once rocked a club in Madison, Wisconsin, so hard that the building <laughs> collapsed. <laughs> is that true? Yes. And if so, how did you survive? No, it's not true. Okay, okay, hold on, hold on. Yes, I'm going to say yes, it did. We 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 discovered Monty. We're gonna we're gonna get you to solve this this dispute. Okay, I can tell you exactly what happened. He's from Wisconsin. I, I saw this. Okay, so they were playing. It's like third or fourth song of the show. Third, and and all of a sudden, like the mosh pit in front just kind of goes down a little bit. Oh. And three oh, yes. of the floor joists on the floor underneath 
buckle. Wow. Right. And oh the only God. thing that was holding them up was the gas lines running under the building. Exactly. Wow. And so, God. and so, it was up because people were bouncing. Yes. Uh, the mosh pit was going crazy. And so they, made us cancel the show we packed up everything and went across town to another club sure. and started playing the show and finished the show oh. yeah, we did <laughs> wow. okay so, so that's money's that's money's highlight he's right but yeah. in getting there in getting there i mean it was it was it was crazy it was crazy <laughs> you know we and people grabbed my drums people grabbed all the they, they took them over to the next Oh. They took him to the next bar. The thing is, is that the next bar they were going to was a gay bar, which was great <laughs> because of the fact yeah. that, I mean, it was just, yeah. they were blown away. I yeah. mean, you know, it was. Yeah, the whole crowd followed us. I was going to say, the, the audience yeah. the it first was, club? Oh, yeah. it was oh. Totally. It was totally, what is it, uh, the, yeah. the when you go with the, 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 the lemmings and all of that. I mean, yeah. we all were traveling over to the next bar. Uh. It was great. And, and the guy who was running the other bar, uh, he was you know, they felt uncomfortable. I thought a little bit. Uh-huh. You know, just a little. Dude, bit. Tom, Tom from uh, OK's Corral. It, we yes. went from OK's Corral, where the floor collapsed, to Club De Wah. Right, right, <laughs> exactly, exactly, and, man. I mean, but it was great. And it was that. It was that guy, Tom. What was his last name? Tom, like Law. I can't Lawton remember. Tom. Anyway, he's the one who's like he booked the show. He ran the club, and we're in the third song, and he comes running up the bar toward the band. <laughs> Furiously the making show. the cut song. Like, you got to stop. Stop. Because it was to crazy. Answer Mike McDermott's, to answer Mike McDermott's question, no, we did not destroy the building, although the building was condemned for many, many months, like over six months. Right. No more shows. Were- You're splitting hairs, uh, Happy. <laughs> but the building didn't collapse. It was just exactly. <laughs> but we all know. Only a 10 by 10 area of the dance floor in all front right. of the stage. I think bed. Happy wins on a technicality. Okay, you got uh, it, Happy. But we, we, we will still let... <laughs> Print the myth, isn't that the isn't that the no, story? No, no, no. It's not. It's not a win or lose thing because Carlton and, and Monty filled in with all the all the people walking across. <laughs> I know. Yeah, here. they would not leave. <laughs> yeah, people would not leave. So this was just like a, a bar that was like with walking distance. Like oh yeah, they were totally yeah. Oh, okay. Wow, gotcha. Also, this kind of audience, you know, Monty mentioned uh, this this like fervent crowd. Like, do you remember in Monroe, Louisiana? We get done with our show. We're getting ready to pack up the van, and they have totally disconnected our battery, <laughs> holding it like you guys can't stop. You don't have to stop playing now. Uh, like, they would do, they would do that stuff, yes. man. That's amazing. Crowd, you know that kind of love. That kind yeah. of love when we played, that you feel from when we played from in people. in uh, Rennes, France, yes. in '89. Right. The, exactly. the crowd threw money onto the stage, and I'm not talking like a few francs. It was like they they rained down on the stage a bunch of money, yeah. and I scooped up some. I was like, <laughs> right. shameless. I'm like, yes, I need this money. I'm gonna take it. <laughs> well, you guys, we had really. I can speak from unbelievably. I can speak from experience, party. Happy, that I know uh, the the live experience of the mob was just something to behold. It was an amazing force, uh, and and I don't I don't know if Monty had the same experience because you're maybe even working at the time, but as an audience member standing there just witnessing it it was insane and the excitement was so amazing <laughs> <Monty>. <laughs> you know what this is right yeah, yeah what 
<laughs> they would always joke. ask that's me after the show. They're like, well, so how was the day's show? I go, hey, it was hey. okay. Hey, 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 I don't know. It was okay. Try it again tomorrow. And seriously, I would get them every time. <laughs> Fuck you, Monty. Fuck you, Monty. Fuck you. I'm going to drink. <laughs> yeah, and exactly Carlton's response, that was always what we would do. Like, Fuck. <laughs> The mystery word is Bell Fountain. The mystery word is Bell Fountain. Carlton, Carlton always had gregarious charms. I wasn't there in Paris when you uh, you sort of did not enamor yourself to uh, Bono and uh, Ed. <laughs> you had to bring that up. I wasn't, I wasn't All right, what there, happened there, oh, Carlton? God. Well, we happened to be in France. And we, you know, this is the first night that I'd ever had fucking, uh, what's what's that, uh, snail, escargot. Oh, escargot, yeah. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. And it was the first time that I had ever had tartar. Uh-huh. Ugh. Yeah. You know. Ah, tartar. You're French. You. Yes. Yeah. But you know what? And I actually enjoyed it. I did. I really, I shouldn't, yeah. I shouldn't make fun. Yeah. Uh, so basically, we, uh, at the end of the night, we went to a, uh, VIP bar and, um, we ran into David, Monty, right, Monty? It was you, right? Mm, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Re- I kind of remember, but I don't really remember. Yes, I think I was fair enough, fair enough. So I'm calling it. Yes. yes. And, I was not there. I was and, not. Yeah, so, I mean, we were all having a great time. And, not me. And <laughs> so we're hanging out at this bar. And next thing you know, there's fucking, dar- uh, uh, fucking The Edge and Bono. <sighs> You know, and I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I'm, I'm drunk. <laughs> so what's up, boys? <laughs> Damn, I didn't expect to see y'all here. <laughs> so, yes. And so, <laughs> How'd they take that? Well, the, he was cool. He was yeah. cool, meaning the edge. He was, yeah. he was, I mean, well, Bono was cool. He was cool the first time. And he it really was. Okay, so that was the first time. Hey, well, yeah. nice to meet you. All right, bye. Yeah. Come back again, <laughs> do the same thing. By the third time, he was like, okay, Carlton, that's that's it. There's no more. Say, okay, dude, I'm just, just letting you know we're here. If you need anything, we got you covered. Okay. We're we're. I mean, this is another funny one. Carlton, Carlton meeting the celebs. I remember we played Earth Day, 89. <laughs> Washington, D.C. Ford lends me his car, so I drove to see my grandparents. But the plan is, is uh, when I was coming back that night, I was going to meet you guys at the 930 Club. We're going to go see Fishbone. And so <laughs> I go visit my grandparents in Virginia, then come back and, and, I, and, and sit waiting for Carlton in the front of the old 930 Club. And I'm waiting, and this is 
prior to self, I couldn't get anybody on the phone. Uh, the plan is it's supposed to be like 7.30. Time is ticking. And I'm like, what's going on? Next thing you know, I'm sitting there. And arm in arm, Carlton walks right in. They don't even check their IDs or anything. I'm waiting outside the door of the club. <laughs> Carlton walks arm in arm with Woody Harrelson into the fishbone <laughs> show. And I'm, and I'm like, Woody, Woody Harrelson. I'm like, I totally I'm forgot about to be in. They can't, I can't get in. And those guys just like, Best buddies walk into the 9:30. I want it, Woody. You it's didn't so get. Good to see you. How are you so charming, Carlton? How? Dude. He just starts talking to anybody. And he's care. got a yeah happy-go-lucky attitude that, yeah. that they just are okay with it. Yeah, yeah. I'm charming. Okay, so so the so the end of this same night when Carlton's been. Buddying around with Woody Carlson. Okay, we we watched the we watched the Fishbone show. We've got the van now, and Ford is taking his car back. And and me and Carlton want to go after the show and party at the hotel with Fishbone, uh-huh. which we did. Okay, which we did. And uh, and then it's getting very late. We have to we have to get back cross town. And Washington D.C. streets are crazy. Are. It's really that's like one, it's like the only town. In this country, that I'm really like, I give up. I, I, I just somebody else drive, yeah. please. But we're driving back in the middle of the night after hanging out with Fishbone, and we're stopped. And Carlton's like, "We need to get something to eat." And I'm like, "I don't know. Maybe there's something by the hotel." But we stop at a light. The window. Carlton's riding shotgun. The window's down, and the prostitutes <laughs> descend upon the van. Oh, sorry. And they're sticking their hand in the van like, hey, baby, you, you need anything? And uh, Carlton says, baby, I need everything. <laughs> what I really, but what I really need is something to eat. <laughs> and, and the prostitute's like, That's so funny. Burger 7, Massachusetts and 7th. And, uh, and so we drive to this place called Burger 7. Yes. And uh, we parked the van right in front, right in front. And it's a little place and it's got plate glass windows and seating in the front. So you can, we could watch the van, but we go in there and, and, and it's the middle of the night. It's Washington DC and it's pretty, like this is really like kind of the fetid underbelly of, of our American culture. <laughs> yes, it it's like a glorified, it's like a deep it's fat crazy. fryer somewhere in the middle of DC in the middle of the night where Anybody can get a little bite to eat just to get them through the night. And uh, that's, so that's what we did. We get back to the van, and we've discovered that we've been robbed. <laughs> oh, it's so fucked up. So the, they took the van or just stuff in it? Stuffed. They took stuff, stuff in the van. Oh, my God. Stuff they, didn't take, they didn't take a ton of stuff either. They just took selected items. Like right, but you knew Carlton, they were coming back. You knew there was one person... <laughs> And you knew that they really couldn't get very far. Right. Yeah. Carlton and I were like, we're like, what the fuck? Suddenly, <laughs> give us that we, shit. We back. are definitely <laughs> we're the detectives. <laughs> Carlton, though, Carlton immediately like disappears down this alley, and I'm like, Carlton, don't <laughs> 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 go, go, God dang! And he disappears into he disappeared into the shadows of the dark alley of Washington D.C. We did. And I was just terrified. We totally did, bro. I was terrified, Carlton. I'm like, don't you ever do this. <laughs> but we did it. And he comes, 
he comes back, he comes back, and I'm like, don't you ever do that again? And uh, he's like, yeah, but they can't get very far. We knew they couldn't get very far. They didn't, come on. So we, like, drive down, and Carlton's, like, kind of, I don't know, there's, like, this late night intoxication sensory genius where all of your instincts and senses come together. And Carlton's, like, in the passenger seat triangulating, and I'm driving down, and... And I take a right, and he's like, look, there's an alley. Go. So take this, take up the parallel alley to we the did. street where the Burger 7 was. And, and just stop it at approximately where maybe some thief would have stabbed. <laughs> exactly. Perfect. And, and we get out of the van, and we're searching. We don't even have a flashlight. We we're didn't. searching in the dark Washington, D.C. alley. Oh, God. And we're like two minutes Less than two minutes in, I'm like, oh, <laughs> but we found it. What? It's a start. And uh, and we found it behind this. It was like stuffed into a tire. An old, I know. And what? Tire what? Without a rim. It was totally like that. And we stole it. Oh, we were loading it into the van, and this car starts coming up the alley behind. <laughs> get oh the fuck out! Furiously stash it all in. We get in the van, and we're just like riding. We're driving away experiencing the heights of exhilaration <laughs> we were we had just been five minutes before we were in the depths of our despair yeah. and having to explain like like monty they stole your briefcase i'm sorry man and monty's got like cables he's got all his stuff <laughs> for our gigs in his briefcase but we stole it back <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I've got a listener question for you guys, um, and this comes from Colin Gal ah. of Watershed. Yeah. Um, he wants to ask about the next album, the next studio album, uh, about Good Lucky Killer. Uh, wasn't Good Lucky Killer recorded at Monkey's Retreat? And what, if so, what led to that record being recorded there? And any memories of that experience combined with other, uh, compared to other Mob albums and thoughts about that time period in general? Hmm. Monty, do you have any thoughts about the recording of it there? Well, it was definitely recorded at Monkey's Retreat. Okay. After, we took a lot of our um, mm-hmm. advan- advance money from when we signed with the labels and okay. stuff. Okay, yeah. And bought a bunch of gear, uh-huh. and we ended up buying a bunch of recording gear, and we would go to Monkey's and back of Monkey's. Like, if we were not on the road, we would go there every day for like four hours. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And they would just jam, and right. I would record it, and we would come up with songs that way. And so we decided, you know, we like, we're comfortable back here. So let's just set up a little recording studio back here and, and okay. record this record. Okay. Well, so, oh, I guess I got kind of jumped the gun then. How did the, how did the Sire record period end? Did it just had the two albums that was on the contract and that was it? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep, we got dropped. We, we got dropped in Boom. the middle of a tour Booyah. on the road. Oh. It was so, it was, These guys it was all really, knew. I had no fucking That clue. was brutal. It was brutal. But, um, you know, it was just like, um, you experience that being dropped from the major label and mm-hmm. 
<laughs> you have to remember that it happens to everybody. It, does. it happened. It happened to. I mean, it happened to uh, the, like Johnny Cash. It happened to right. uh, happened to everybody. Yeah. But you experience it, and uh, you're the better for it. Uh-huh. Yeah. In the long I, and, as long as it doesn't, as long as it doesn't like destroy you or your right. your muse right. and mo- motivation to exactly. make music. Right. But and on the on the on the plus side, it sounds like you got the money to to buy all this recording equipment and and stuff to to make another album, right? Yeah, yes. Yeah. That was always that was always the objective was to be creating music, uh-huh. you know, and and that means writing all the time. Right. I mean, we we really wrote songs all the time. Yeah, yeah we they all would the go time. in and they would just jam for like a half yeah. hour, and wow. I would record all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Then we would take and listen, go back and listen to it, and no. come up with like eight bars. Yeah. And like make a loop right. on this on this uh, <laughs> sampler that we had, yeah. and uh, and write a song off of those eight bars. Okay, you know, and so we we definitely got comfortable just being in back there. And yeah, and is that the same kind of loops that you're talking about that you did with on Spin the These World? These were more digital. Loops. No digital loops. Okay, right. Yeah, I mean, what we oh, did but, early on but, was definitely analog loops, and what we did later were were. Um, Digital. So you basically wrote wrote um, the album at Monkey's Retreat and recorded it there. Yeah, a yes. bunch of like even like uh, Midnight Roses and all the like a bunch of those earlier records. All the pre production we did all the uh, stuff at, at back of Monkey's too. Okay, right, and then right, exactly. They would we would take those and and submit those, and they would say, okay, we want this song, this song, this song. Oh, okay, all right. And yeah. the funny thing was, it it would always crack me up because we would record all these s- demos in the back of monkeys and take them. And the producers would, when we would go to like Bearsville or Dreamland, they go, "So we really like the way this guitar sounds. How did you get this sound?" <laughs> I'm like, "Well, well <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we, that's my we trick. That's my trick. Yeah. We had just a little guitar in a '57, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it would always crack me up." Yeah. But. <laughs> So so, what happened to the mob at the end? What how did what, how did you guys end up breaking up? What happened? <sighs> All right. Uh, well, we can talk. I mean, I I left the band uh, in early '94, right. and then the band then the band really fully broke up like uh, later that right. year. Okay. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, basically, <clears throat> Levy, <laughs> Levy, happy. Yeah, I love you, bro. <laughs> oh, I love you too, love Carlton. You, <laughs> love you too, Mike. You know, it was it was it's hard. Yeah, yeah. I imagine. I mean, you do this for how many? How many years were you guys doing the band? Yeah, let's go with ten. Yeah, I mean that's a long time. Um, it's a long time. But and you, you guys are still making music together. Oh yeah, no, yeah. no, absolutely. Yeah. I man, I love happy. Yeah, I mean this this dude, um, as a musician. Yeah, <laughs> he does it for you, huh? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, Smith's my guy, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, he he all. He make your songs. He'll make your songs sound a hundred percent better. Yeah, I guarantee. You. you know, it's just yeah. I mean, it, but we needed to go through all of this shit. We, yeah. we it was that was necessary, um, and I don't you know I don't begrudge that or yeah. want to change that no because I think that was definitely necessary and I think what we're doing now is necessary 
Well, um, we, we, we have a listener question, I think, mm-hmm, on sure. something you're just about to talk about sure. from Chip Midnight. Uh-huh. Carlton, when will there be an RC Mob reunion show? <laughs> or maybe a Mrs. Clarence Booty show? <laughs> <laughs> you want to you explain what Mrs. <laughs> Clarence oh Booty God. is? <laughs> that Mrs. Clarence, Mrs. Clarence Be- Beauty. <laughs> Beauty. Yes, that would be, the, well, you know, hmm. help me out here, Happy. Don't leave me in the Anagram plate. of Royal Crescent It's Mom. an anagram of Royal Crescent Mom. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's because I came Mrs. late to We did a, cu- show, a couple man. like Monday <laughs> yes. shows at Stashes. Yes. When we were selling out, we were selling out to yes. Newport. Yes. And we decided that we wanted to go back and play a, a uh, couple smaller, shows at yeah. Stashes. <clears throat> right. So we p- try out new material. Yeah. Yes. So we, we changed okay. the name to Mrs. Clarence Booty yes. for okay. those two shows or whatever. Well, is and, there, uh, there going to be a Mrs. Clarence Booty reunion? It may show? be. It may be. You know, the funny thing is, is that <laughs> I remember it would only I was really sleeping. be Mrs. Clarence Booty. I was fucking sleeping, okay? And we were playing at Stashes. <laughs> and we were trying to go back to smaller place, right? And uh, yes, I, <clears throat> I said something to Monty. I think it was Monty. I think it was you, bro. Um, that uh, people were calling and they were like, uh, Carlton, you're supposed to be on stage. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, what? Really? <laughs> what, what is this? <laughs> and, and so, yes, I, I was late and I, was, I could hear everybody, <laughs> Carlton, 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 Carlton. <laughs> I was like, oh man, you guys are the best. You guys are the best. Thank you. I'm coming. I promise I'm coming. I ran and fucking got in my car and ran. Oh my God. Yes. Ah. Uh, so, Monty, do you want to tell us about uh, a possible reunion show for the RC Mob? Uh, there are two. There are going to be two yes. reunion shows. Tell us about it. December 16th, we're playing at the Anthenaeum, okay. downtown Columbus. Yeah. And December 17th, we're playing in Cincinnati at the Madison Theater, yeah. which is actually not in Cincinnati. It's in Covington, Kentucky. Okay, just across the river. Yeah. Okay. So, How did this come about? That would be his whole idea right here mr mr smith came up with the carlton smith okay with the uh thing and it's like okay uh-huh awesome carlton i'm, I'm so happy that you came up with this idea well we've <laughs> all been talking about it for a long time it just so happened that this seemed to be the right opportunity yeah. you know um get closer on the yes mic. sir thank <laughs> you boss <laughs> i love you <laughs> yes i mean um once i found out that uh I was diagnosed with uh, glioblastoma. Um, it changed a lot for me. Uh-huh. Uh, the change being that um, I'm glad to be alive. Yeah. Um, and I've not been in this position ever. Yeah. You know, because I always thought that I was going to live to, I don't know, I didn't, I didn't really think about it. Yeah. You know, my parents, uh, who are both still living, uh, my dad's 91 and my mom's 84. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, all of that stuff, you know, I, I, I didn't think about it. Yeah, no one I, does. You know, I'm right. You know, and it's like, all of a sudden, fuck, man. So, and, and but even more so than that, is that everybody has bullshit going on. Everybody. Yeah. None of us 
can escape anything. Yeah, no. You know, and I, I mean, and if you do escape something, that's cool, whatever. I don't, I don't <laughs> give a fuck. Temporary. You know, yeah, I mean, but what it seems to come back to, though, is that we always come back to this, this uh-huh. existence, our existence, yeah. uh, however you want to put it. I don't yeah. care how you want to put it. Um, I'm very fortunate to 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 have Wendy uh, on my side, um, by my side. Yep. I'm very fortunate to have all my friends. Oh, yeah. And you love music. I do. You love I mean, music, yeah. well, it, it, because that's me. And, yeah. and the thing is, my music is um, of what? It's it's me, you know. I mean, yeah. I've listened to so many fucking people that uh-huh. are, are great musicians. Um, I mean, all over. I mean, right. and uh, but what's different for me now is that I do give a fuck, but I don't. Uh-huh. Meaning that I want to make a difference, but I don't even know if I care about that so much as I care about, you know, let's 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 just do this. Yeah, let's yeah. just do this. You, you've yeah. made you've <laughs> yeah. made the, the the I've looked on the internet and people are so excited about this, so excited about the show, okay. and um and I'm excited about the show. Me too. Uh, <laughs> Me too. I'm sure Me you too. are. Yeah. Yeah, I am. And and I understand it's a benefit. Yes. So it is. And what what's the benefit? The benefit is uh, cancer. Okay. Awareness. Uh-huh. Um, that's what we're, and I'm getting more information, but that is what we are looking at. Yeah. Um, this is not about making money. This is not about any of that shit. It's, it's yeah. you know, let's give us some money to those that deserve, right. you know, or whatever. Maybe, what, yeah. what the fuck ever. Right. Yeah. Well, it's it's something that so many people are happy and excited about, <laughs> and uh, it's you know I am certainly going to be down there front. We bought our tickets at twelve oh one. We did when they went online. Thank you, thank yeah, you. Oh yeah, we're thank we're thank and and I think so many people are going to be there. It's going to be fantastic. I, um, so I, I feel the same. Yeah, yeah, I do. Happy. What are your thoughts on that on the reunion? Oh well, the 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 guys in the band have been. Um, really cruelly uh impacted by cancer in 2022 uh-huh. uh b lost his wife to cancer in june oh. his beloved wife sally mm. uh passed away uh, just this past june pancreatic yes. uh, mass may this past june uh-huh. and uh, carlton uh got his diagnosis in july and uh and then i was i, I didn't find out until after that that david ellison also is receiving treatment for prostate yes. cancer yeah. so it's like all of us i'm we, totally right. I'm totally in awe that these guys said, in the face of what they're going through, they 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 said, you know what we need to do right now? Let's put the band back together and raise some money for cancer yeah. awareness and and, yeah. uh, and and bring some joy to not only our fans but yeah. to each other because we have this we we we're like this little uh, this very very elite little club, you uh-huh. know, five guys, Monty. David and B and Carlton and myself, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the most wealthy things we can do is to give each other mm-hmm. this joy of playing the music that we created when we were in our twenties. <laughs> right. Crazy and brought brought so much joy to, it and that we can do this and and also uh, make this gesture really productive and positive yeah. and helpful. And uh, that that for me is like uh, I got to hand it to Carlton and and. Uh, 
David and B and Monty for putting this thing together. I just feel uh, as much as other things that are going on right now, this is what I'm most excited about right now. Tomorrow, like I'm going to go over to Carlton's and we're just going to bass and drum, get some songs. <laughs> After 30 mm-hmm. years, I mean, to be doing that, it's hard to really convey how amazing that feels, yeah. you know, to just to well, do I that. To, you know, when I was describing what it felt like when Carlton came into the band and this smoldering thing burst into flames to actually like drive that souped up race car again. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing <laughs> feeling. <laughs> That's the end of part one of our interview with Monty Temple, Carlton Smith, and Happy Chichester. Yeah, stay tuned next week when we have part two. Yes, we'll see you then. Bye. Bye. We slapped it together with paper and paste. We hope you enjoyed our show, Local Waste. We hope you enjoyed our show, Local Waste.